Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and on this Wisdom Wednesday, we're going to be kicking back off in Proverbs chapter number 3. Uh, we could rejoice in the fact that last week we received from verses 5 to 8 the blessing of, of understanding the Lord's desire for us to follow Him and to know Him so that we may receive wisdom from Him as trusting the Lord with all our heart, acknowledging Him in all of our ways and not being wise in our own eyes. We discover the blessings if we become obedient to this as not leaning on our own understanding because we've, we've trusted the Lord as accepting the path that He directs in our life because of our acknowledgement of Him and fearing the Lord gives us the power to depart from evil, that all of these things that come together will be health to our flesh and strength to our bones. And this week we're going to be looking at honoring the Lord. We're going to be looking at the honoring the Lord with the blessings that He has provided us. We're going to consider everything that the Lord has blessed us with compared to the things that we have done on our own. And from there we're going to move forward to, to see the necessity of the chastisement of God or the discipline of God upon His children. The fact that we're not supposed to despise this, but actually embrace this. We're supposed to rejoice when the Lord comes down on us so that we have opportunity to be able to repent, we have opportunity to be able to change, and be able to see new ways which we may be able to serve Him. So all these things are great things, but oftentimes people come uh, to a place of bitterness because the Lord has, has rocked their world, so to speak, and We'll look at all of that here in a minute after the time and prayer that we have asking for God's blessing over His wisdom. Father, we do thank You. We do praise You. We do ask Your blessing upon us as we receive of this, this chapter, its fruit. Lord, this wisdom. Not everything in the Proverbs is going to be readily understood. Not everything in the Proverbs is for everyone. You know the sheep that have need of, of this particular pasture or that particular pasture, this type of grass or that type of grass. And you know what each of us has need of. We ask and pray, Lord, that you will simply bless us with the precious nuggets of truth and wisdom that you have here in your word, in the book of Proverbs, we may receive them, that they may transform us by the renewing of our mind to understanding what is that great and perfect and acceptable will that you have for our lives. We ask this blessing in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I was having a conversation with a man uh, I suppose months ago it would have been by this point, he was talking to me about uh, Proverbs, and he was asking me, well, do does the book of Proverbs make sense to you? He said, overall, there are bits and pieces of, of Proverbs that make perfect sense, such as this verses 5 to 8 that we had just covered as concerning uh, the way in which we are to acknowledge God, the way that we are supposed to trust God, and, and the antithesis to that, how we're not supposed to lean upon our own understanding. So there are bits and pieces of the Proverbs that make perfect sense. Of course, we could just readily read them and receive them and say, yeah, I got this. 
But then there are other parts of Proverbs where you're literally dealing with the instruction of a king to his son who is going to become king one day. And some of those things dealing with the kingdom or dealing with with the politics of the local day is, is what is what are you trying to say here? Everything has benefit as every single word God has spoken and, and God has revealed so that we would have benefit. So every part of this has an absolute benefit to any believer on the face of this planet. But some of this is just going to be a mystery still, and some of it will be much more readily understood. So we're going to go through it, and we're going to discuss it, and we're going to look at it and say, What? Solomon, what a world are you thinking, bud? And then we're going to say, Oh, Lord, oh, like like Isaiah, Oh, woe is me, a man of unclean lips among a people, unclean. So let's just enjoy this time together in Proverbs. He says in in verse number 9 to begin with, we're going to read from verse 9 down to verse number 12, just as a section here. He says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I'm going to stop there because this tends to be, as I see it, one section of of teaching from Solomon, and then 11 and 12 will be another section of teaching. So the point that he's making here is honoring the Lord. This word honor is the word that is used in in, uh, the Ten Commandments, is used with the Fifth Commandment, which the Fifth Commandment recognizing the favor of God, the number five, He says this word, honor, like honor your father and mother. Here he says, honor the Lord. This word honor is is kaved. And what that word signifies is to esteem or is to lift up, to essentially and point to, to give praise to. And so he says, honor the Lord, give praise to the Lord with your possessions. Now, the reason why I'm thanking the Lord for, for all that we have is because are the things that we have, say the money we've got in the bank or the, the fancy house, the nice cars, the, the like around Dakotas here, all of the, the farming implements, tractors, uh, barns, the, the crop that grows in the field, the, you name it, you name it. Just, just consider the, the, the possessions that you have is recognized the word that's used here and, and and the increase of what you've gained. Did you do it? <laughs> and you say, well, yeah, I was out in the field. I worked, you know, tireless hours out in the field and, and, and I did this job and I did that job and I took up three other jobs and I've, I've, I've worked all my life. But, but the, the, question, did you do it? Are these the blessings that God has given to you, poured out upon you? Is not every breath that you take a blessing from God and none of those things could be achieved lest God gave you breath, lest God gave you strength, lest God gave you health to your bones as was recognized in verse number 8? 
are not the possessions that we have acquired through our lives acquired through the blessing of God and that all those things which we currently possess actually be gifts, possessions of the Lord more so than our possessions? Cannot the Lord take as well as give as was recognized in the life of Job? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the Lord God." So when Proverbs, when when Solomon tells us, honor the Lord with your possessions, and that he's telling us to, to literally praise God with those things which we have, the question then is, are we praising God with our substance? Are we praising God? Are we being a blessing to our neighbors? Are we being a blessing to the house of God, which has been given unto us a sweet blessing of the Lord for a time and fellowship and for a community of like-minded and like-faith believers that, that can strengthen one another, encourage one another, and, and, and work with one another to, to be that blessing? He says to honor the Lord with our possessions. And so the, the question must be continually asked inside of the heart, in what way am I honoring God with those things which I have? Now, what, what way am I being a blessing to those who belong to God with those things which I have? And, and you may not have much, but what you do have can certainly be used to honor the Lord. There's no question about it. You think about Jesus when, when he was at the synagogue and he watched all these people walking through and of their increase or of their, their abundance, they're putting their, their monies inside of the coffers of the synagogue and they're offering boxes. And then you see this one little lady and she walks up there and all she has is just two little little mites, two little pieces of, of money. I mean, the, the, the widow's coin is just so itty-bitty. It, it's impossible to, to even be worth anything. It's, it's like a half penny. <laughs> she gave basically a whole penny. And Jesus said, do you see that woman? He said, she gave everything she had. Whereas all the rest of these people just gave of their increase. She gave everything she had. And, and Jesus said, this, this little lady's going to be remembered so much more than all the rest of them combined. This little lady has honored God with every part of her, with everything that she had. Well, this is very important for us to understand because the, the scriptures right in front of us here is to, to honor the Lord with our possessions. Another translation would say to honor the Lord with our wealth. And the King James translation would say to honor the Lord with our substance. And so all of these words tied together is to show that it is those things physical which we have increased by that we are supposed to use to be able to honor God. And then he goes down and, and he tells us, and so not only are we to honor the Lord with our possessions, but we're also to honor the Lord with the first fruits of our increase. Now, this is the very purpose behind the, the Feast of Pentecost that we talked about about three weeks ago. The, the very point of Shavuot was the bringing in of the first fruits of the spring crop that is grown. 
that's the very nature of of Shavuot was was that honoring of the Lord with the first fruits of the of the spring increase. But then we also understand that there is is the the honoring of the Lord at the point of Rosh Hashanah, where we are to bring the fall crop in with a wave offering and the blowing of the trumpets and the preparation for Yom Kippur. And so so we see that that throughout Israel's existence that there has always been a a a feast of God, there's always been a, a holiday, as it were, to be able to bring of the substance of the people in. And the purpose behind the bringing in of the substance, such as the lamb during the spring uh, feast of, of Passover, such as such as the the different things like the the bulls and and the, the the goats and the different implements that would be used with Sukkot and the different things that would be be required as as concerning sacrifices is because of these things were one to to remind the people of the wickedness of their heart and the fact that our wickedness will cost us dearly but also on a side note to that the the substance of the levites the substance of the priesthood was to be gleaned from the offerings of the sacrifices that would be brought to God because the Levites and the and the priesthood they didn't they weren't allowed to own any land. The tribe of Levi was not allowed to have any possession, was not allowed to have any land within the within the peoples of Israel, and so they were to be provided for by the other tribes of Israel so that their purpose, so that their work could be a dedication to the the tabernacle of God or to the temple of God. And so we find that that the only way for this tribe to be able to survive was if the tribes around them made provision to them and for them so that they would be able to eat. And so we see that that it is of this the possessions that the that Israel would honor the Lord in so much that the people who had no possession could then be taken care of by the other's possessions. Now, this is not uh, the redistribution idea of the current administrative government we have, and there are thoughts that we're going to take from the rich, and we're going to redistribute all of their wealth to the poor, and that's going to make a balanced society, for that's not true. The Lord said that we are to care for the poor without question, but that's not in the hand of the government to do. That's not a, a job for the government to do. That's always been a job for the church to do. That's always been a job for God's people to do. And, and since God's people have relegated God's authority over to their government and the government has risen to its point, that it that it has become in its size, uh, then then you have this issue where whatever a man feels to be right in his own eyes is what he's going to do without constraint, and so you have this current situation. If we were to care for the poor, the truly poor, now this is another statement that I have to make is concerning the wisdom that is poured out before us and honoring the Lord with our possessions is understanding that there is a true poverty, but the United States has built a false poverty among its, its people because in many ways it has encouraged segments of the society not to go to work from all of the different programs that is established and in order to be able to cover those who, who who 
well, just don't want to work. It's not that they can't work. It's that they don't want to work and they don't have to work now because they're covered by every program under the sun. I remember at points of time in, in younger years when I was working two and three different jobs just to be able to make sure we had food and bills paid for electricity over the house when, when I was formerly living here in, in North Dakota, whereas if I would have just given up and not done any, any kind of work and just satisfied with, with being lazy that I could have made easy between three and $6,000 a month just off of state and federal programs. But I, I couldn't bring myself not to work because that's what we are commanded of the Lord to do is, is be faithful unto the Lord in all that we do to honor the Lord with our possessions and to serve our fellow man as we would serve the Lord. And so we must work. And again, in the Proverbs, we're going to find if a man doesn't work, neither shall he eat. And so we, we find this great impasse in, in our country today, but digressing to the point of, of the way in which we honor the Lord. Is he the master of our lives? Is he the governor of our possessions? Or have we supplanted the Lord with ourself? And he says, with the first fruits of all our increase. Now, Again, we're met with this nasty little three-letter word, all. Exactly what is an increase? Exactly what is a first fruits? Exactly how do I honor this? Well, when we consider the possessions as being those things which come under our power, come under our authority as being, quote-unquote, owned possessions— well, that could be a lot. That that could be the crop that grows from the seeds that, that were planted. The possession of the seeds brings forth the possession of the crop. That that could be that could be the the paycheck that, that we just received and then this and this is a possession of of finances that, that we have acquired and so we possess these things. <clears throat> And that you can fill in the blank. I mean, the list is is endless as concerning what would be considered our possessions. And, and he says, with the first fruits of all our increase, we're to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all our increase. So as we would have uh, an initial seed, and that seed would bring forth a crop, and that crop would bring forth, uh, like Jesus would say, sixty or hundred fold, right? 30, 60, or 100, that then we see of that increase that we would honor the Lord with it. Now, is this saying that we're supposed to give everything away? In that, I'm saying, no, it does not say that. It says simply to honor the Lord. Use those things which we have as possessions to bless the Lord, to bless others in blessing the Lord. Remember, Jesus was saying, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And when I was destitute, you, you gave me a place to rest. This was found in Matthew chapter number 25, beginning verse number 31 and finishing the chapters concerning the judgment seat of Christ. So we see that, that it was in those things, he said, and as much as you did this to the least of these, you did this to me. 
So in honoring the Lord with our possessions and honoring the Lord with the first fruits of our increase is, is literally taking care of each other, is literally taking care of, of the things of God on earth and the people of God on earth and the house of God that we worship in. That's honoring the Lord. And he tells us that if we be faithful to honoring the Lord, our barns will be filled with plenty. So the, the, the challenges that we face in our, in our state today here in North Dakota, the challenge, there's a lot of challenges that we face simply because of, of a lack of rain. And because of a lack of rain, we're challenged with a, with a crop failure. I mean, it, it, it's just plain and simple. If you don't have the, the nourishment of the rain, you don't have enough rain, your ground is dry, you're faced with a drought, you're going to have a crop failure. And at that, you also had, you also have field failures where your your normal grasslands, where the grass where you would normally have it grow, you would normally have a rich alfalfa or rich grass for for the cattle to feed. But because of a drought, you're gonna have you're gonna have the grasslands burn, wither, and and fail. And so, whereas you normally would have plenty to be able to take care of the multitude of cattle that you have, now you don't have enough food for the cattle. You have to sell. You don't have an option. You have to sell because there's no other way to feed the multitudes and it's either sell or they suffer. But now you have you have the market being flooded with beef. You have a market being flooded with cattle and, and so the price of of meat, the price of beef goes down drastically because you have a surplus uh, of cattle from a multitude of different farmers who, who have a, uh, cattle that they've got to sell. And, and you're faced with this challenge because the scripture is telling us to honor the Lord and in the fact that we would honor the Lord with those things which we have and that we would that we would commit our first fruits to him of all the increase we have received, then he makes us promise that our barns would be filled with plenty. Our vats would overflow with new wine. And yet we sit back and we wonder, now how is this possible? How is this possible being as the situation that we're faced with in the current moment? How is it possible? Guys, this is the challenge and always will be the great challenge of faith beautiful song that that uh, i've heard before and that i love to to consider from time to time and that song is called little is much when god is in it and that is the truth so we see that in our desire to honor the Lord, and there's been many a many a prayer, there's been many a conversation that has happened because of people just wanting to do what's right and not exactly knowing what they are to do. And I, I, I have spent hours in prayer just asking God for the moment that that person needs to know what to do, that they will have wisdom, that they will have understanding. Because these folks that I've been talking to truly do want to honor the Lord with their possessions. They want to honor God with, with the first fruits of their increase. They want to, to serve the Lord and they want to be faithful unto Him. But there, there, there's so many challenges surrounding that. 
you know, <coughs> words are cheap. Words are easy. Things can be said, but it's in the doing of those things that becomes so much of a challenge, becomes so complicated, becomes so so much of the struggle is the doing, not just, just the talking, but the action. And so we pray for our brethren around the world. We pray for our brethren here. We pray for our brethren in the United States that God would grant wisdom, this beautiful wisdom, that it would not be their own understanding that they would rely upon, but trusting in God, that it wouldn't be their their ways, but the Lord's ways, that they acknowledged that it, that it would be health to them, that it would be sense to them. He comes down in verse number 11, and he says, My son... Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. In some translations, that word chastening is referred to as discipline or correction. It says, do not despise the chastening of the Lord and don't detest his corrective measures, his correction. Now, this this one's a tough one because as being sinners by nature, we never like being corrected. As being sinners by nature, we 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 get bristly when when people say, "Well, no, that isn't right," or when when people come up and say, "What in the world are you doing?" That's that you're going to get yourself hurt. Uh, people come up and say, "Why are you doing it this way when it's easier to do it that way?" We 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 get this this correction that comes upon us, and we just bristle up. And thus, we study the Word of God, or when the pastor's up there and he's proclaiming the gospel, or, or, or when a Bible study's taking place and somebody's talking about these, these truths, these hard truths of the Scripture, and, and all of a sudden you get hit with a reality of, of sin in your life, or you get hit with a reality of, of some type of failure that you've, you've been, failed to do, or honored the Lord with your substance, or anything of that nature— and, and, and you just get frustrated, you get angry right off the bat. And, it, it, and it's a chastisement of the Lord for it's coming from his word, but it, it hits us and, and we just don't like it. We don't want it. It's that conviction that turns to anger. Now, anyone that knows me understands that I've taught this a million times. I'll teach it a million more because it's just true. When we come under conviction, meaning that the Word of God has met our soul and has convicted us of, of the crime of sin, that's what the conviction always is when we stand before the Lord convicted, we're going to respond to that in one of two frames. We're either going to respond to the conviction of the Lord by, by a humbleness we're going to accept that what God has said about us in this moment is true. And we're going to surrender to what he has said and submit ourselves to his authority. Or we're going to get angry. Now, most of the time, people just get angry. <laughs> they get that conviction of God upon their soul. And instead of submitting themselves to the word of God, they say, How dare that preacher say that thing about me? How 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 dare he? He's been listening in on my conversations. He's been doing something. He, he found me out. I'm going to get after him. So understand that when the scripture tells us not to despise the chastening of the Lord, it's to, to realize that when the word of God brings conviction to our soul, that, that maybe God knows. You see, it's not 
not likely that that preacher knows anything about your life, especially if you've kept your life from them so that they cannot have any fellowship with you or really know who you are. So it's not likely that it's going to be the preacher that that has found you out. Now, granted, there may be plenty of people coming to the preacher and telling him all about your life, but most preachers I know don't listen to a lot of that gobbledygook because it's gossip at that point, and it's just not what the children of God were supposed to be doing in the first place. They're supposed to be edifying and lifting up and praying for and taking care of their brethren instead of sneaking around talking to people, especially the preacher saying, you know what this person does, you know where this person's at on Saturday night, you know this, you know that, you know the other. <clears throat> and so we find that that oftentimes when a message is preached and a conviction has come upon a soul that, that bristles up, it is at the point of them despising the correction of the Lord or detesting his correction in which case the proverb here is going to make you bristle up again because he tells you do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor detest his correction. And the question is why? And the answer is found in verse 12. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He gets after him. You see, because God loves you, God's paying attention to you. You see, the devil could care less about you. It's the most all of your life that was lived in, in the devil's world, being a child of disobedient under the control of the prince of the power of the air, found in Ephesians 2. The devil never cared about you. He never cared about your direction. He never cared about your life. In fact, he was hoping your life would end. He was hoping that the, the addictions and the sins and the, and the corruptions of your nature would be strong enough inside of you as he would give little temptations here and there just to keep you uh, spurned on, that, that it would be enough to drive you into the grave so that he could claim another soul from God. The devil didn't care about you. He wasn't going to correct you. He wasn't going to chastise you. He was going to scare you, and he was going to he was going to tempt you and and draw upon the lust of your eyes or flesh or your pride of life. But he didn't love you. He wasn't going to straighten you out. He wanted you even more crooked than ever before. But God loves you. God established a standard of discipline. God established a standard of law. God established a standard of righteousness because he loves you. And he holds your feet to the fire of his righteousness. And he holds your heart to the law of, of his commandment. He holds you to the position of discipline because he loves you, because he wants you to, to be the best person you can be, to honor him with your possessions, with your life. He, he loves you, and he, he's blessed you, and he's watched over you, and he's going to correct you. He's going he's gonna to be that much a part of your life that that he would he would consider every single thing about you and he his desire is to delight in you but in those areas of your life that he cannot at present delight in he's going to deal with because that is not honoring 
to him. Oh, and he will deal with it. Trust me on that. So it's very important for us to understand the point that the Lord loves and it's discovered in his correction. And so on Sunday, you're sitting in the pew and you come under conviction of, of the teaching of God's word. Understand, just have it in the back of your heart from this proverb. Understand that it's because God loves you, that he's willing to correct you. It's because God loves you that you've, you come under this conviction because the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart at that moment and he's drawing you closer to God. He's drawing you into the holiness of God under that conviction. And if you'd only respond humbly before the Lord and accept that conviction with, with repentance, then you can have a renewed relationship, a brand new level of relationship with God you've never experienced before. But if you respond to that conviction with, with a measure of anger, you suppress the Holy Spirit's leading in your soul and you get frustrated about that thing which was taught. You pull back. Not pulling back from the preacher. You're pulling back from God as the Word has convicted you. And it's just understand it. It's because God loves you that you have that conviction. It's God loves you is why you feel that, that turmoil of the soul or that struggle in the heart is God is loving you. And he's holding on to you. And the beautiful thing about that is that he'll never let you go. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, and by the way, if you, if you understood that point from 11 and 12, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and and, and corrects every child that belongs to you. If you got that, then you can understand verse number 13 here. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Guys, if you realized any time that you're sitting in the pews at church and, and that conviction comes upon you from the preaching of his word, and you realize that this is actually the love of God that has touched your soul to bring you to repentance, and you began a life of responding to that conviction with a humble heart and you, and you pray and cry out to God and ask him for your, for forgiveness or ask him for the blessing over your soul in that moment of conviction that you would discover a happiness just this word happy here it it just means elation it it, it means just just being filled with joy joy just that fruit of the Spirit that, that just floods our soul knowing we're connected to God. Happy is that man who finds, word find, to discover, who discovers wisdom. You're digging all over the place of the Word of God and all of a sudden this thing pops out at you and this little nugget of truth, this little beautiful golden nugget of joy that jumps off the page and dives into your soul through the hearing of your eyes and the and the seeing of your ears. Amen. And 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 it jumps right into you. And and truly you become happy because it's something of the word of God in your studies for years you've been studying. You never came across this truth before and it pops right out on you. And you go, "Oh, I got to tell everybody about this." Or 
Maybe it was that time of salvation when you first came to the Lord and received Him as your Lord and Savior, and and He came into your heart, and you said, "Oh man, everybody needs." I gotta tell the whole world, and and you have this elation of salvation. You have this elation of knowing God, of knowing Christ Jesus, and and it's that happiness that is being referred to in in verse number thirteen. That joy that when you find that wisdom. And when you, when you get it, when you understand, you go, oh, I got it. That is such a treasure. He says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her, her being referred to as the wisdom for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. The gain of understanding and and the the finding of wisdom, the proceeds, this is how verse 14 connects to verse number 13, happiness and the proceeds, but also happiness and the gains. Well, we understand what it's like to get silver, and we understand what it would be like to get gold, gold being even more precious of a fine metal than silver. Now, we won't argue with silver, praise God. It's it's definitely a lot better than dirt. Amen. Uh, but gold, oh, if we could have gold, that would be so much more than silver even would be, as, as one nugget of gold would be a whole truckload of silver, understanding the difference of the valuation of the metals, right? But here's the deal. It's the understanding that is worth so much more than the finding. Well, we can find wisdom, amen, and it's good for us to find it. But until we understand it, it is only wisdom that we have discovered but not been able to apply. As soon as we are to glean from that wisdom and ability to apply it in our lives, now we have so much more richness to our soul, and that's the very point. It says right here that that uh, her proceeds, the, the very finding of it, are better than the profits of silver. Mm. But her gain, that which is understanding, is much more than fine gold. She, wisdom again we're talking about, is more precious than rubies, and all the things that you may desire cannot compare with her. I can desire a lot too, guys, just saying. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all of her paths are peace. This is dealing with wisdom, by the way. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. Retain her. Uh, very important to understand that wisdom can be lost. Wisdom is something that is necessary to be retained. And in the retaining of wisdom, you find that it is a tree of life as we take hold of that which we have retained. And it brings us to a tree of life is because it connects us with Messiah. It connects us in Christ. And we understand that the ways of the Lord are of pleasantness. We understand that the ways of the Lord are peace. And Jesus said in John 14, 27, he said, My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. My peace I give to you. Therefore, let not your heart be troubled, 
neither let it be afraid. And so it's very important to understand the connection of the paths that lead to peace. It's important to understand the connections of the pleasantness of being in the way of the Lord. It's very important to understand the tree of life that we see in Revelation 22 on either side of the throne of Jesus with the river flowing from the midst of it. And it's all of these connections that are made just in the point of wisdom. Length of days in her right hand and in her left riches and honor. This is the point. God has blessed you with the opportunity to glean from wisdom today. The question is, will you retain it? Will you receive it? Will it, His ways bless you and give you peace and comfort you as being pleasant to your heart? Or are you under a conviction today that you need to get right with God? Well, here you go. Get right with God and He will bless you. He will give you everything that we have talked about today. That's the Lord's way. So let's just ask him for the blessing of another episode here of Wisdom Wednesday. And we'll, we'll catch back up next Wednesday on Proverbs chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 19, as the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. We'll talk about all of that here uh, next week. Father, we're grateful. We ask that blessing upon us that you will watch over us and, and just... Give us time to consider your ways. Give us time to think on these things that we may be able to face the potential of conviction in this week with being able to honor you as recognizing that because you love us, we face this conviction and that in this conviction and humbling ourselves before you, we will receive the opportunity of repentance and a renewed relationship with our God. So, Bless us in this, and we will thank you and praise you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Keep you guys. Cause his face to shine upon you, and I will catch you tomorrow for the, the fifth seal of Revelation, chapter number six. God bless.